Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are James and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hello, chaps. Look, 1-1 at Anfield is actually a great result in context of Liverpool this season, Liverpool the last few seasons, and where we are at currently with Antonio Conte. And it has reinforced my feeling that we will not fail or falter, we shall succeed. Our perception is altered, we do believe. Faith is strong now, nothing shall bar our way. Firm conviction is no fiction, this is our day. We can move, move, move any mountain. Wise words from mystic ancients of the late 80s and early 90s, but if ever there was a time to believe, this is it. A must-win on Thursday, that superb performance just past Anfield that I referred to, this is the moment where we must all stand tall, be brave and project the power of collective positivity, man, whilst also professing previously hidden and entirely genuine admiration for the mighty Newcastle United and entertaining Everton FC. I have scenarios firmly placed, which I will share later in our State of the Moment Chinwag, which will follow analysis of the Anfield performance, but enough waffle! First of all, let's start with our intro question. And this week, I would like to know, what was the last thing that you walked out of, Milo? <laughs> um, it's quite a long time ago. I'm, I'm quite picky about what I go to see now, so I don't have to walk out. In the late 90s, I saw a production of The Wasp Factory in, well, in London, and I know... Steph, as you've recently been wor- working your way through Peep Show, I had a real "we could be watching TV" moment. It was a, a <laughs> black set. Well. All all of the cast, or both of the cast, were in black. Um, it was <laughs> it was heavy going, and I liked the book, but I didn't Brilliant like the production, and I decided to stay in the pub for the second half. <laughs> Excellent and a, a wise shout, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Excellent book. I'm sorry to TV. hear that they butchered it. What would you have been watching? Probably, uh, I don't know. Anything but that, right? (laughs) (laughs) The late 90s, The Word or something, probably. There you go. Very good. James? A couple of weeks ago, we we got a babysitter for the first time in what felt like about six months and um, went to like a lunchtime showing of the new, new Batman film. I knew that it was... It was long, but I kind of hoped that it was going to be good. And um, I'd say it was long, but it wasn't good. And um, with about an hour to go, we just felt the guilt about the fact that the poor babysitter was basically staying a lot longer than we'd uh, previously arranged. And um, yeah, we left with about 45 minutes to go. And I think it was the right decision, to be honest. I think those are liberating moments, though, don't you, chaps? When you just think, I mean, you just hit that mother and there's sort of this guilt that makes you think, oh, I really can't quit before the end and I, I must leave. And then you're just like, you know, fuck it, I'm off. This is a it waste a collective, of my time. fuck this. <laughs> it's a bit like the feeling you get if you bunk off work early on a Friday or something like that. And you've kind of, it's kind of this like stolen time or, yeah. you know, if you're in the pub and you're not meant to be, it's like, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of those kind of magical hours that you're not meant to have, but you've, you've managed to steal from somewhere. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, well, mine, uh, quite similarly to you, uh, Milo, was a while ago now. It's 1997. Uh, the director, Paul Thomas Anderson, who I believe is uh, always, shall we say, uh, one line too long in a film, if you'll uh, catch my drift on that, um, made a film called Boogie Nights, which is about the uh, San Fernando Valley and L.A. porn scene. And uh, I, I found it I found it fairly distasteful anyway with regards to how it was treating the subject. I mean, I, I'm not it's nothing to do with porn or drugs or whatever i've uh you know seen plenty of all that to be honest but uh the way it was treated was i thought extremely um sort of smarmy and disrespectful in a way and uh, when uma thurman 
Thurman overdoses on coke given to her by a creepy guy in the film and the reaction is almost played it's played for comedy like you know it's played for she's treated basically like a piece of meat uh lying there with blood pouring out of her nose and i just looked at my um well my girlfriend at the time who is my wife now and i just looked and i said fuck this i said i think this is this is appalling and i just got up and left and i, I haven't seen the film to this day and i thought it was it just hit the wrong note completely for me so fuck that film and fuck paul thomas anderson actually i've not enjoyed a film of his since so there you go and i felt i felt very proud of myself for walking out you know so there we have it <laughs> <laughs> i should probably rein this back on on track shouldn't i chaps and uh go to the week that was yes mm-hmm. i think so good all right so um premier league ground Premier League's ground team of the season for 2021, Trophy Wankers Rejoice. On Friday, it was announced that our ground staff have won Premier League grounds team of the season. The last time we picked up the award was 2007, and frankly, I think we'd all agree that the pitch looks phenomenal um, and that the award is well-deserved, especially when you take into account the technology that is necessary to maintain it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we when we do the NFL games, that pitch splits into three and has to go into what is effectively an incredibly large and efficient grow house underneath the stand. So that's quite an achievement, Yeah, right? Makes you wonder what they're growing under there when the pitch isn't there. <laughs> yeah, well, if there's any indication, uh, I'm sure that Daniel is uh, looking for an extra um, a bit of uh, income. Don't revenue you think? source. Yeah. yeah, revenue source, if you will. Can we actually suggest that maybe, you know, given the way that we are as a football team, that Daniel should uh, think about like, you know, a strain of Indica, Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> reefers that you can buy at halftime if things are going? That be, could be quite good, actually. I bet you'd make some good money. Imagine that. Imagine what that would do. Eh? <laughs> hell, it would be useful for this coming Thursday, wouldn't it? The uh, half-time Tottenham Hotspur reefer. Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway. Uh, God, dear, we are tangenting a lot, aren't we? But back to turf management, which is, I mean, as you all know, is a, a particular a particular area of interest of mine. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And uh, so I actually, I, I think this is a great award. And uh, I'm I'm really proud of the club for for achieving it. I'm proud that we can you know that we provide the best playing surface in the football league. And uh, this will tell you, incidentally, everyone, that there was nothing else really to talk about in the week that was. <laughs> so, so I suppose we should stop there. And chaps, shall I? Shall we just get to it? Shall we just get to the, the game at Anfield? Let's get to the Liverpool game right now, shall we? I mean, I will start by saying, in context of everything, take the result away for a moment. I thought it was a fantastic performance. I'm just going to put that out there and I'm sure we'll break it down. But why don't we start with, I mean, the team selection sort of, I mean, it spoke for itself, didn't it, Milo? I mean, we know what the team is at this point. Um, you know, what what impact, I will ask you this, what impact do you think Reggie being out for the rest of the season uh, is going to have? Well, it's, it's not confirmed he's out for the rest of the season. It, it, it's been heavily hinted, but it's not It's not confirmed. So it's possible we might, we might see him again. Um, it has an impact in... That the the wing backs have to do a hell of a lot of work under Conte, and um, Cessnion particularly has um, struggled with injuries. And you know, there's got to be a concern that we start pushing him into the red zone if you know he's playing playing too much, um, which I assume is why you know he came off for Sanchez again yesterday, and, and Davis was yeah. pushed up there. I mean that, and you know, keeping keeping um, Salah quiet. Yeah, so I mean, from that point of view, it's concerned, but. I mean, we're going to go on and talk about... Actually, no. 
I'll leave it there because we're going to go on and talk about the wing backs, and I, I don't want to yeah. kind of jump ahead in, in the order. So, okay. But what I will say is, and what you did touch on there, in which we should start uh, immediately uh, off by saying it was a, a you know an exceptionally solid defensive performance. I mean, we kept our we kept the spaces really tight. I mean, the discipline was 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 top draw. And when people needed to put their bodies on the line, they put their bodies on the line, right? It was an immense defensive display. Borderline impossible to, to do that for 90 minutes. But we, we set up in the first half like we often do to be tight. 5-4-1 formation. And um, that was excellent performance. I mean, you could tell the influence that Conte's had on us. So we restricted Liverpool to um, an XG of 1.05, which is their lowest at home since they played Man City there in October. They had 22 shots but only three on target, um, which is the same as on target as we had. So for all of their dominance in possession, you know, their pressing and uh, the pressure they put us under, they didn't actually create much at all. No. I was worried that the set pieces, because they were gaining a lot of corners and they and we're not great at defending set pieces. We were a lot better against Liverpool than some previous games, but they were looking very threatening from those. We, you know, we had those problems earlier in, in this calendar year with set pieces I think since then it's something obviously that we've been working on in training and I think there's been a marked improvement I haven't seen us caught out from from that for a while so yeah I wasn't too worried about that I mean I thought I mean throughout the game actually I I felt pretty comfortable with with our defending it's um I thought we we set up really well um and you know I I thought we were keeping them at at arm's length you know again if if you look at the stats for it you know Romero is it eight clearances made one tackle one interception one block shot Dyer, 11 clearances, one tackle, two interceptions, three block shots. Davis, 10 clearances, one tackle, one interception, four block shots. Yeah, they, they were all absolutely superb. They were just bang on their game. And we adjusted very well. When Liverpool went to four forwards, we did adjust very well in terms of, you know, the the, the midfield duo did drop a little deeper to make sure that the spaces remained tight. I mean, we kept it very tight. That was a moment where I think, you know, it would have been, uh, I think... If it had been us like two, three months ago, we'd have been caught out by that. We'd have we'd have given up that extra te- five yards of space, maybe. But there was great communication between the, between Dyer and Bentancur in particular to make sure that those spaces were kept tight and that everyone dropped in and 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 really locked in. And I think people need to understand that the mental energy you need at Anfield against a side with four top class forwards. We're not talking, and, and this is something else. We're not talking about a club that just pulled off a pulled up. <laughs> pulled off we're not talking about a club that just pulled a couple of reserves off the bench all of those forwards are top class you know they have four top class forwards. you have to be on your game focus wise and i i thought in that sense we really saw the fruition of an antonio of a world drilled antonio conti side where not just the performance but the mental performance was immense mm. immense the players coming off the bench you know every bit as good as the players they're replacing i mean that liverpool squad is really, really good. I mean, particularly the the front line is really, really good. Yeah, Jota. Jota is a huge threat. And one of the things that occurred to me, you know, I mean, we've, if we think about some of our our more disappointing performances this season, it's been against teams that have dug in against us. And, you know, we've been very, very critical about our inability to break Mm -hmm. them down. But if you look at that, you know, that Liverpool side with the, you know, the, the, absolute talent they've got going forwards, you know, in Trent Alexander Arnold, they've got, one of the, if not the best crosser of the ball in the world. And, um, you know, they've got so much talent off the bench and they couldn't open us up. 
So, you know, for all of our complaints about, you know, so, you know, our inability to break down teams, it's fucking difficult when you've got a well organized side that's sat in deep, you know, know what they're doing. They've got, a, they've got a well organized, you know, drill and they're, and they're carrying it out. Well, it was not dissimilar, actually. Uh, I mean, well, I was about to say it was not dissimilar to how we played against Brighton or how Brighton played against us. I mean, the difference being that we, we lacked the intensity that Liverpool bought to us yesterday. I mean, and Liverpool, and, and let's make no bones about it. Liverpool gave it. A very, they gave it their best shot. The, the one I think it's closest to was um, the second half of Southampton at their place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we should now look at our much maligned wingbacks. Um, again, I'm going to kick this off by saying not only did I think they both probably played their best games for us this season, um, I thought Emerson Royale in particular was uh, probably about as good as he can possibly be in that role. And again, people have to remember he's not a natural wing back. So if people want to criticize, you know, the times he did get forward and maybe didn't play a ball that was 100% perfect, remember that is not his game. But week by week, he's getting into these positions more and more and he's having a greater impact on our on our positive play going forward. Um and he was, you know, talk about the three ball to Kane all you like. He got it to him and he was in the position to play it. Jurgen Klopp uh, actually quite um I I thought quite unfairly said he was out of position when he played that ball, which was quite surprising, really, because it shows that I would think that Jürgen would have been scouting us and would have known that, was, you know, that's a position that increasing the Emerson Royal has been taking up. So let's talk about these wingbacks and how, and, and how well they played. They both had excellent games. I mean, particularly Royale. I think Sessegnon looked um, somewhere near closer to his potential. I still think there's a lot, a lot more to come from him. But he was also having to deal with, you know, Salah, which is borderline impossible task and he was he was quite well um accomplished in coping with Salah in defense I think on the other side we know that Emerson can defend quite well but he did a lot more than that against Liverpool he he showed ridiculous energy levels I mean we just we touched on earlier you know the fact that we're near the end of the season some players are starting to show a bit of legginess um Royale isn't and he's doing a very demanding uh workload there and he just he doesn't look tired I mean yeah that you're right his crossing could still improve and I think you know for me he got man of the match yesterday but I think part of that is because the bar with him has been a fair bit lower so he had an excellent game you know he maybe had an eight or a nine out of ten game whereas his average has maybe been you know more like a six so he had a huge jump up there but um yeah, they, they more than did their job against Liverpool, those two. I think it's probably a game that, even if Doherty was fit, Conte may well have been tempted to start Royale in anyway, because he's a stronger defender out of the two of them. And he's done well against better teams this season. So I think it was probably a game that suited him. Yeah, that said, you know, his, his defensive co- co- contribution was excellent. But his attacking contribution, which, you know, he's been criticised quite a lot for this season. So in this game, he, he put in six crosses, three of which were ac- accurate, which isn't bad going because they're low probability balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, long balls, he, put, he played five long balls, uh, four of which were a- a- accurate. And again, I think, Steph, this is something you picked up a couple of weeks ago, uh, or, you know, where he's com- dr- coming in field more mm-hmm. rather than sticking wide. So he completed 33 passes, 78.8% uh pass um you know successful pass wow seven did you say 78 percent that 
that's really good for him, isn't it? That's got to be a much yeah. higher com- complete rate than usual. Normally, what you see from him is kind of he gets to the halfway line, he plays it, you know, kind of inside yeah. and then runs. And it wasn't quite, I don't think there was quite so much of that in this game. No. Um, you know, defensively, you know, four tackles, one interception, five clearances. Um, so, you know, a strong game. A really strong game. I mean, I, I agree with I agree with James. He was my man of, man of the match. I thought he was absolutely superb. Um, Cess, I, I owe an apology for Cess. I, I I got you know I fell in with a bad crowd last week and allowed myself to um, to be to be you know Steph you you and you and Gareth led me astray and I, I've I've got some apologies um, for for young Ryan. Uh, I think. Yeah, we, we were right in saying that he's a player who needs a few games in order to find his feet. And boy, did he find his feet in this game. That's twice he's played against Liverpool this season and twice he's had a Salah in his pocket. And you know, he lost him once in this game and he did the smart thing and took the yellow. Yeah, um, So that. he was excellent. That's That incidentally, if I can just interrupt you for a moment, when I talk about guile, that's the little bit of guile that I want to see from him is doing precisely that. Like, mm. A little bit more dark arts, if necessary, when necessary. And so, to your point, yes, it was. It was. If if there's ever a good yellow to pick up, that was it. It was in a dangerous position as well. If he lets him get yeah. away from him, then yeah. uh, he'll create something. Yes. And you know, and at the other end, he set up a goal. What a great ball! I mean, again, yeah. time and time again, you know, people will say, "Well, he's just got. It's just a simple ball across." No, it's not. If it was that simple, we'd be doing it every week, and <laughs> we patently yeah. don't. And nor does anyone. It's a very tough ball to play. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 he did really well. I, you know, I think, I think, you know, well, we're going to have a discussion in a few weeks' time when we do our kind of squad review and kind of a transfer window uh, preview. I think, you know, decisions with our, our fullbacks um, are going to be difficult because I can see cases for all of them going or any one of them going. We're not going to be able to buy four new fullbacks in the summer. That's impossible. So, you know, and you can make a case for some of them staying, you know, either of these two staying or the two who are injured at the moment. But realistically, I think we're going to see two out and two in. And it, it's it's going to be quite difficult and interesting to see, um, you know, what we do. I'd keep Cess. I'd keep Cess out of the two, simply because I think he's got greater potential um, with increased confidence and continued good coaching. I mean, that, that yellow card that we just discussed him taking was probably something that he has subconsciously picked up through being under Conte's tutelage for, you know, six months or however long it's been. It was... I'd, I'd have to count. I'd say it's probably quite conscious. I'd say Conti's probably yelling at him. If that happens, you fucking take the card. Don't be, mm. don't, don't let him go. Whatever happens, I don't care if you fucking jump on him. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. But to your point, it's a Conte thing. To your point, yeah. Him being on a yellow might be the other reason he was brought off. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting that I thought the same as you though, Milo. That when that substitution happened, I thought, well, he's definitely protecting him a little bit here, and he's going to, you know. And again, I think we're seeing the default for the final two games of uh, three games of the season, rather, where you know he's going to bring Sanchez on and uh, and and push Davis out there to maintain the shape. I think the one thing is that you know is exceptionally clear to all of us is that we're not going to change our shape these final three games of the season and uh, we're seeing we're seeing exactly how uh, Antonio is going to cope with what has to be the smallest pool of trusted players in 2022 I mean everyone else can you know talk about the amount of games they've played and so on and so forth uh, the clubs who are talking about that also have massive squads we do not we have 14 players that, An- that Antonio Conte trusts and uh, I think that has to be taken into account with every game we're playing and every positive result we get yeah, and he's having to manage us. He's having to manage us extremely carefully. Like we've got a yes. small squad. We have been quite lucky with injuries this season, but he he's not in a position where he can afford to go into these final three games without you know certain specialist positions or or 
key members of those 14, 14 players. And, you know, Romero's another one. Like, to manage him through the yellow card woods that he uh, he lives in is, um, is, is essential. Now, by the way, can we all just put our hands together in appreciation for that, for, for the... Um... For the tackle, which one? We'll call it. We'll call, <laughs> no, no. Hang on, hang on. We'll we'll call it a tackle. But you know the one I'm talking about on Jordan Henderson mm. on the touchline, not touchline on the dead ball line. Well, it started near the touchline and ended up in the sideboard. Actually, from what mm. I remember, um, a ferocious and thunderous tackle, um, which had Anfield on its feet, screaming for all sorts of card action. Um, I, I was surprised he didn't get a card for it. And I'll give Jordan Henderson credit there. He didn't. He didn't go roaring didn't at the ref, it, did he? He took it because I think Jordan Henderson knows just like anyone that Liverpool play the line like that themselves. Liverpool. Are, that's why Liverpool are so successful. One of the reasons I should say they're so successful. They play that physical line very, very well. And 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 it's so gratifying whenever I see a Tottenham Hotspur side play that physical line themselves because I think it's something we don't do enough. And uh, I don't know. That was actually one of my moments of the match. <laughs> to be honest. But- I think that's the type of player that Conte's going to want, isn't he? Um, mm. You know, I think you know he's going to want players who you know, play on the edge and, and um, yeah. you know take control of the game. And yeah, yeah. The commentator here, I mean, I think when we watch these games, we've often all got different commentary teams, haven't we? Because we're all in different mm-hmm. parts yes. of the world. But the commentator, well, when I was watching it out. here, said uh, he said Romero he does always tackle pretty hard or unnecessarily hard. <laughs> he puts everything into them sometimes when he doesn't need to and. He's he's fast turning into a bit of a cult hero. We consistently have Graham Lasso and Lee Dixon, who I have to say are a very good duo. They're they're good fun to listen to. They're really good. And 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 neither of them, both of them, were chuckling about that particular challenge. But neither of them felt bad about it. I can assure you, <laughs> which was a uh, which was good. Um, but. Okay, let's look at the fact that, you know, we did say last week we thought that Liverpool were going to be an opponent who had sued us um, because of the, uh, you know, how hard they, they come on to you and they just, they don't sit back. Um, and, you know, the way we play, it's perfect. We spring, we hit them on the break. It did turn out to be that uh, that kind of game. Um, let's look at our front three in that regard uh, and how they performed. Kulisewski, I thought, came in and had an excellent first half um right up until really when he was uh substituted his um again it's his intelligence knowing what to do with the ball his link up play his defensive contribution um he's light years ahead of Mora and you know I think for the rest of the games in the season it's it's hopefully it's Kuliseski every time I mean I, I won't run through them all but that's the one I'd pick out as the front three that um yeah certainly came in and made a difference he was fantastic. I mean, Milo, I've got to ask you because you probably got a slightly, a, 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 you probably got a take on this. And I, I'm sitting here. I am trying to no, no, because I was trying to figure out at the time, you know, the sub taking him off. Uh, you know, he was able to hold that. I mean, he was almost Dembele esque at times. The way he was holding that ball and carrying it twenty, thirty yards under pressure, winning free kicks getting into dangerous positions. I mean, you know, he, he was a magnet to the ball yesterday. I did wonder, well, if you leave him on, are you going to get one more chance from him? I mean, we got one more chance anyway, but, you know, why do you think he was substituted? Decky, um, I don't think he was one of our best players. So I, I think, I mean, everyone played really, really well and kind of our worst performers were probably seven out of tens. I think Decky was probably a seven out of ten. I thought he was all right. I thought I think you know what he brings to the our forward line is you know, he's different to everyone else, and uh, and certainly you know what James is saying about him bringing other people into play, and you know you know 
you you, you know you're saying about you know drawing challenges and stuff is, is definitely right but i don't think he was i don't think he was on his best form i think he was um you know slightly below that um and you know he came, it was winksy who came on for him I, I think he was just looking to to see out that game, and you know, to be fair, it was Winks who put the ball in for Hoybier's yes. header. Yes, I think it it made sense. I mean, the one I feel sorry for on that is Bergwin. I mean, if I was Bergwin, I, I would be setting my alarm on my phone for kind of two minutes before final whistle. He could just have a doze. His phone would wake him up in time. He could uh, have a little sprint up and down the line, and then he'll come on for you know for a minute, and then and then go off and. It's the same every time. I, I feel sorry for the lad. Sonny looked tired when he came off. Well, he was absolutely knackered. He said it was the hardest game he's played in. I, I, I don't know if he said all season or in ages, but he made reference to the fact that mentally and physically it had been a draining game. I mean, with Son, he's the only Premier League player this season with 20 non-penalty goals. Mm. So the only, only player in Premier League to do that. And for Spurs, he becomes uh, our fifth player ever to score 20 goals in a Premier League season. So the others are Teddy, Klinsman, Bale, and Kane's done it five times. But um, yeah, he joins that as a pretty elite club there in terms of players. Yeah, I'm going to commit a, a pod faux pas here by uh, quoting statistics that I haven't got written down that are probably inaccurate, which actually probably suits my personality down to the ground for those <laughs> of you who listen regularly. But I mean, he's got some record in the last five seasons, hasn't he, Milo? Of like, you know, it's like 19, 20, 18, 21, 20. So, I mean, he's a consistent 18 plus goals a season striker. And, and people say he's streaky. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's incredible. I mean absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean and and again he was he made several runs. Well, he made he made two runs yesterday that had he been found he's in one on one and and you'd back him to put one of the two away. I mean he's his his off the ball movement yesterday was 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 superb and he gave them a torrid time. They did not know what to do with him. And Jurgen Klopp actually if you notice at the end of the game gave him a massive hug and whispered something in his ear and then kind of walked away from him and then walked back up to him and gave him another pat on the back mm. which I hope doesn't mean he's going to try and sign him. <laughs> This might end up on the th- on the floor, but the thought I had during the week, I was thinking about Son, and he's almost developed into a kind of Thierry Henry type player. Some of you, know, someone who started off as a wide player and is playing, you know, kind of more and more centrally, and you know, very very dangerous on the break, superb close control. But you know, once he gets one on one, you you back him to put it away every time. Yeah, you know, I think people still think of him as a wide player. He's a striker. I agree with that, except for the fact. Thierry Henry uh, remains a, just a giant tosser. I mean, just the most, the most arrogant and 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 impudent uh, presences on 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 our television and 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 radio sets. Uh, whereas Sonny that, is that wasn't an absolute where I was pleasure. Drawing a comparison, but <laughs> no, no, I understand that. But I just do want to make clear to anyone listening that this is only a football comparison, one one that I think we'd all agree with. But it also gives me a chance to once again remind everyone that Thierry Henry is a giant arrogant toss part. So. Um, I just wanted to make sure that, and for that reason alone, I hope this doesn't end up on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but going back to uh, a, 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 or going to another striker, forward, player, playmaker, whatever he is these days, let's just call him legend, Harry Kane. Um, you know, I think maybe he had a slightly off game yesterday, but even in that moment, he was able to pull down what one might say was a speculative ball forward from Emerson, um, turn it into uh, a great ball, <laughs> and then himself uh, find Cess with a wonderful uh, piece of play. And, and, and I mean, he's he's once again been central to the most important moment of the game for us, right? 
how do we evaluate his performance overall yesterday? He didn't get a lot of uh, he didn't get a lot of service, but he had an okay game. I mean, I think you know had that Hoybier set up fallen to Kane, very high chance he would have uh, won the game for us right at the end. He was very closely marked for majority of the game. He probably wasn't one of our better performers, but he was, uh, I'd say, a constant threat that they had to think about. Um, they never let him. They never let him go. Basically, Liverpool. I mean, I thought. Milo, that he was dragging the centre-backs all over mm-hmm. the place. I thought he was actually pulling them into some uh, very unorthodox areas and giving uh, Sonny and Kulisevsky a, a room to get in. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think um, yeah, you're playing Liverpool. They're one of the best teams in the world and you're not going to get a lot of chances. And, you know, Van Dijk is the best defender in the league. You know, so it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be easy. I don't think, I don't think Kane had his best game again he I'd have him down as one of you know kind of seven out of ten but he didn't have a you know the nature of the game meant, means that he didn't have a lot of the ball and didn't you know didn't have a lot of uh, chances but I think the cane of kind of six weeks ago when he was really really flying if that cane was playing I think we win and I think you you know there's kind of dinked balls over the top for some to run onto which we didn't have too many of um if that cane was playing we win but <laughs> I mean, one thing that worries me, and maybe I'm just getting paranoid, but um, the, the, the tackles on the ankles seem to be coming in every week, and it kind of feels like teams are targeting him. And I think there was a couple in this game. Oh, Fabinho was all over him about several well, times, you, wasn't he? You, know, you have certainly brought us to a topic of conversation on tonight's agenda, which is uh, how Fabinho managed to avoid a booking until the 80th minute. And let me once again <laughs> say, this is a player that I admire greatly, but... There are some very egregious actions on the pitch, and there was one that should have been ascending off. He's he's elbowed Sonny in the face. Why didn't VAR have a look at that? It was his neck. Well, you fling an elbow like that anywhere in the face and the neck. I think that that's got to be red card territory. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry at all, actually. I I I, I withdraw that apology. <laughs> so I think he certainly should have had a yellow in the first half. I mean, yeah, he, he put in plenty of <laughs> you know dodgy you know do- book, booking worthy challenges he, he, he put uh, in a bunch of madonnas as i call it borderlines right yeah quite yeah you know if one of those is is given then the argument over the elbow whether it's a yellow or red becomes academic because it's certain certainly a yellow and he and he's off and he should have been mm. sent off the reason that var didn't overturn it is because the ref had booked him already so mm. um yeah, what VAR's not there to do is to officiate the game. It's to pick up things that the ref clearly got wrong. There's a dis- there's a dialogue between the ref and the VAR ref around what's going on. The ref would have told the VAR ref what he saw and what he thought of it. And you know, because because he'd already been given a yellow, VAR's very unlikely to overturn that. But if it was the other way round, if he if if he'd shown a red. VAR isn't going to overturn it the other way either. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, let's just throw this out there. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we're not a pod that believes in conspiracies. Um, (laughs) We're not a pod that likes to say that, you know, you go to certain places and and certain decisions (laughs) never get given. But I mean, you know, did we honestly expect him to get booked at Anfield? I would say, funny you say all that, Steph. I'd say I'm just flicking through the notes that I was writing during the game yesterday. And I, at one point, I have got the fourth official is the, is, uh, the cop, uh, noted <laughs> down somewhere. So, um, I mean, they were, they, it was really noisy, wasn't it? I mean, in, on TV, you could really, really hear yeah. the noise in the stadium. Yeah. And, you know, we've all seen refs who you'd say were homers and what have you. And, um, that sounded like a, you know, kind of really, really, intimidating 
um, you know, atmosphere, you know, and and refs will get swayed by that. But you know, having said that, you know, we're talking about kind of the uh, the Romero challenge on Henderson earlier on, where the you know the Liverpool fans were were calling for a card and all the rest of it, and and that didn't happen. So you know, it goes both ways. Generally speaking, I think he's he's a good ref. That guy, he's it, he's one of the better ones. In terms of Fabinho, he certainly should have had two yellows. Yeah, and there were countless chances for for those two yellows to come. And I will say, actually, yeah. First of all, I, I noted on Michael Oliver, uh, James, albeit not a favourite of mine, but he's certainly not a bad ref. I have my own reasons for disliking him, which are largely inconsequential to the game of football and completely uh, linked to the fact that I just hate the way he looks. He just looks like a twat to me. But that's not his fault. He was born that way. So I'm um, sorry, Michael. Um, I, I do think as well that, you know, we should... <laughs> I've, got, I've got a Lady Gaga um, kind of linked to him in my head now. Thanks for that. Very good. Madonna, Lady Gaga... And I'm sure that eagle-eyed listeners will have spotted the massive tribute at the top of the, of the pod. This is a musical pod without you even knowing it. Um, but I will also say that, you know, look, the 12th man or the fourth official, whatever being the cop, or the fifth official rather being the cop, um, you know, that, that, that no complaints about that. That's great. And that's what I hope that the new White Hart Lane becomes and what it, it should become. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for a crowd that, uh, looking to influence the ref. That's great. That's what football's about. That's what home advantage is about. Brilliant. But I just do wish that refs weren't as easily swayed. Having said that, to your both your points, actually, you know, Michael Oliver held firm. Uh, you know, uh, there are a couple of times where I think penalties were being sniffed for and he just wasn't having any of it. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe yesterday was one of the better days for poor decisions at Anfield, but albeit Fabinho should have been off with two yellow cards. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Jurgen Klopp. He is a manager that we admire greatly on this pod um and and have, and have have said so we're very open about it um but he did uh he did say this he said quote i'm sorry i'm the wrong person for that when asked for his assessment on how well we are defended i don't like this kind of football but that's my personal problem i think they're world class and i think they should do more for the game i think they had 36 38% possession but it's my problem i cannot coach it so that's why i cannot do it um you know i'm going to ask if it's being salty or is it fair criticism bit of both I mean every game for Liverpool at the moment is a huge game I mean it is for most clubs but what they're chasing or were chasing up until we basically deprived them of three points because I think they'll beat Madrid in the final I think they'll win the FA Cup Um, had they got three points against us I think they were basically 50-50 to win the league we've basically just knocked one of those Four key trophies off the uh, off the table with that point. I think it's cities now. It's entirely saltiness. Um, you know, they're was he seven years in the job now, something like that. It's like a long way down the line. And yeah, you know, I've seen a couple of comments on um, Twitter comparing kind of their possession stats for the Champions League final, where you know they fluked a goal early on and then sat back and defended. And you know, during that game, they had thirty percent possession. Um, so, you know, they did exactly what we did when we talked about, um, Brighton a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I said then that actually, you know, it's, it's a fair tactic, you know, if you can't expect all of these teams to come and go toe to toe with you because you're going to get spanked and you've got to use the resources you've got the best way you can in order to try and win the game. That's the job of a coach. As I said earlier on, we've had, we've had games this season where teams have sat back against us and defended in numbers and it's very frustrating. Um, you know, we're not quite doing what, you know, Burnley do or what have you, because we've, we've got plenty of talent going forwards as well. But 
yeah, it's just it is just saltiness. And I, I know that yeah, they've got a lot to play for and what have you, but actually it feels like bad sportsmanship. Yeah, I mean I, I, I think it was certainly saltiness and I think he was you know, I think this is one of the things when you ask managers for their opinions that twenty minutes, half an hour after a game of that intensity, you're gonna get it pretty much unfiltered. Uh I would have been flabbergasted if he'd found any generosity of statement after that. I mean, we ended their title. I mean, that's pretty much what happened yesterday. I mean, it would have been astounding, you know, and it would have actually been, it's a step too far for anyone, I think. But we should also remember that we actually brought them back into the title race. You know, they were they were dead and buried come Christmas until we took some points off Man City. Well, six to be precise, yes. We've taken yeah. six points off City this season and only taken four, you know, denied Liverpool of four. So um, yeah. we've done them plenty of favours. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, one thing I will say, and thinking about it from his perspective, of course he's going to look at, like, players like Kane and Son and think, well, if I had those, you know, what I could do. But what he also needs to remember is that, again, we go back to the 14-man squad we're essentially working with, and we go back to the quality of players that Antonio Conte can draw upon. And, you know, I think that what we're seeing with, with, with Tottenham Hotspur right now is that if you upgrade in those key areas, at wing-back particularly, perhaps he would be able to go more toe-to-toe in these games. I'm not saying he necessarily would, but perhaps he would have that more cut and thrust. I mean, you know, he's he's done... Uh, I mean, actually, I'd love to know what Klopp would do with a 14-man squad like we're working with right now. I think he'd find it a lot harder than he suspects. And as you pointed out, Milo, being a man that's not averse to digging deep and, and, and like playing a game out for 80, you know, as, as much as he can, I think he would go to Anfield and, and, and play the same tactics. Mm-hmm. And, and P.S., I don't think that our tactics made it a boring game. No, it was we were classic. still we were still sprightly. We were still very aggressive on the attack. We were still very aggress- aggressive when we when we got the ball. It wasn't like we were playing. For, we didn't go to play for a draw. We went to make sure we didn't. You know, we weren't loose and 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 open. I think it's two very different things. We had as many shots on target as they did. You know, yep. shooting into the crowd isn't more entertaining than shooting on target. So you know, <laughs> um, xG yeah. there was you know percentage points difference between this. There, there was virtually nothing. So. Yeah, you know, XG says it's a draw. It was a draw. Uh, we had the same yeah. number of shots on target. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to have 65% pos- uh, possession with all of those, you know, world-class players, you should do something with it. Yeah, I agree with that. He needs to have a reality check. But like you say, Steph, like these interviews with managers at well, the uh, at just, 15 yeah. minutes after a game, I mean, it's it's becoming a bit of a lottery what you're going to hear, isn't it? I think unfortunately with Klopp, he's such a personality as well that there's the you know there's a there's a faction of supporters out there for for all clubs who actually despise him. Uh, we hear about them every every week. They make themselves known. I mean, they're very voluble, and there are people who love him. Um, you know, I still I, I really like him to be honest. He's so got a lot of good so, stuff to so, say. No, 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 no. So do I. But I'm saying I think there's a certain level of confirmation bias that comes when he gives a quote like that because if you read it without context, it's very easy to say, "See, he's an arrogant twat." But you have to apply context to it. He lost the title yesterday mm. he's not going to be happy <laughs> absolutely i would have enjoyed it a lot more if he'd done a conte and said i don't think i'm the right person for this club i'm not really sure whether my future's here anymore <laughs> you know just after signing the new contract that would be really entertaining down. <laughs> yeah. that's a bit of a pep as well pep did that didn't he this week you know, i'm not the right per- maybe i'm not the right person yeah yeah meltdown <laughs> so so anyway but yes uh, it was i mean look whenever you get under jürgen klopp's skin like that you've done something right I'm sorry. Well. That's the yeah. that's the, that's the honest truth. And if Jurgen is completely honest, he's lucky to have got a point yesterday yep. because in the last minute, Harry Winks, the much maligned Harry Winks, as you pointed out, Milo earlier, uh, put in a, a, a perfect ball to the back post where we had you know Peh and and, and Bergie 
queuing up for it. Pierre's tried to do the right thing, and he's just not executed the cutback header um, accurately enough for Harry Kane to tap across the line. Mm-hmm. So at that moment, is it two points lost for you, or are you still thinking, well, it's a point that we weren't expecting before the kickoff? How? Wh- what was your reaction at that moment? And, and, and at the final whistle, what was your reaction, having just experienced that moment? Oh, it was definitely two points dropped for me. I mean, I was I was dreaming in my head when we were 1-0 up what this I didn't want to look but I was like what is this going to do to the the table our mindset going into the North London derby our top four chances but the the fact that there was always going to be another chance come to us or a high probability that that came and it was a guilt-edged one and yeah it was not millimeters that Javier got it wrong but it wasn't the hardest assist to execute was it it was a very good ball by Winks. He just needed to head it back into the, the danger area and Kane would have done the rest. It was, um, you know, we can forgive him because it's not, not a key part of his game, but it, it was, it was a, it was a disappointing two points dropped cock up for me that. I think he was probably caught in two minds as to whether to head on, uh, yeah, head, head, go for the goal or to, to cross it for Kane. And then, you know, this is often the case when you're not actually focused 100% on something, you kind of do neither of the two things you were, you were thinking of. In terms of Hoybier, you know, I've been given kind of random scores out of 10 for players as we go through. I think he was one of our best players. It was a solid nine out of 10 for him. He was, um, our best midfielder by some distance. And I thought he played really well. And, you know, at the end of the first half, he had another, you know, good chance to score then as well. Um, he's been really good these last few weeks. Yeah, well, the one in the first half you're talking about actually was a precision strike from him. It was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it was a deserved the goal. I mean, when he actually first measured it up, I was like, what on earth are you doing? Because I didn't see, I didn't see anything. And but he, it was, it was wonderful. It was very could have been his Wanyama moment. That one, he, he put in a good cross for Kane as well, didn't he? He, yes. he, he created, he created, he, he was really good going forwards. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it was interesting. We go back to Bergwijn for a minute here because the the you know the Bergwijn and the Peh are intertwined in that final minute. But Bergwijn stepped on the pitch and within thirty seconds had found himself running into their box. And I thought, my word, he's going to do it again. You know, and then instinctively. Bergwijn is the one hanging on the back post, waving for that cross. He waves for it before Hoybeer gets it. He, he gestures to Winks and says, I'm here. And, and you know, this plays into what you're saying, Milo, about like, you know, setting his clock for two minutes and feeling a bit pissed off. I mean, the guys, you know, the guy was in position twice. I mean, with mm. another 10 minutes in a game like that, you know, you'd have to say the odds are he would have got at least two more chances and probably put one of them away. And probably the, the thing that most disappointed me in review with Hoybeer's chance there is that, that he didn't leave it for Bergwijn, but I would argue, but I would argue, well, that's what I'm going to say, but I would argue this is the reason that Bergwijn isn't on the pitch more is because he's not maybe got that personality to demand that moment. Um, And we're hearing a lot about training. We're hearing a lot that he's not necessarily, you know, an aggressive trainer in reaction to not getting picked, that he's a little head down and so on. And maybe that's the difference because there's no doubt the guy has immense talent, immense. I think it's just that Conte sees him playing on the on the left hand side and he's competing with Sun and Sun is you know one of our best players you know is is undroppable and that's that's the reason for it i mean what i think is a bit a bit of a shame is that um decky plays um you know a bit deeper and a bit more inside you know it's kind of more he's closer to set midfield stroke forward out out of the front three he's the one who plays deepest and Bergwin, if you remember back under Mourinho, played that kind of defensive right-sided forward 
role, which is different to what Kulu's doing, but not massively. And, and, um, he was quite good at moving the ball on quickly from those positions. And Conte obviously doesn't see that in him. I, I would have liked to have seen Conte use him as in, in that, that role so he'd get more time on the pitch. I think you're, I mean, I think I agree with you, but I think the point I'm making is, and maybe it's a bit more like lemons and auras again that mm. I'm getting into here, but I just think that, you know, when you're on the back post and you found the position and you're constantly in the position like that, you shout the guy off. You're like, mine, you know, you let him know. And I think maybe it's just not in his DNA to be that. And maybe that's what's holding him back. Possibly. I, I, but I think the issue is, is that the, the positions in the pitch where Conte thinks he can play, he's yeah. got Kane and Son in front of him and you're not going to yeah. not start those. Yeah. Well, I just say, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I just wish he'd been arrogant enough at that point to yell yeah, Hoybear no, off and say, get that. the fuck out of the way because <laughs> I'm goal, going to yeah. put this in the back of the net because I'm a, because I'm actually a really good finisher. I just wish he had. I wish he had. The thing with Bergwin is he's going to leave it this summer. It's clear that he's yes. going to leave. Yes. And you know, it looks like we'll he wants to go money. back to the Netherlands, uh, probably to Ajax, and he's going to rip it up. And oh, he's yeah. going to be one of those players next year that we're all going to be, or people are going to be moaning about saying, oh, you know, why didn't he do it with us? Why couldn't he be this good with us? And it's going to be down to, you know, him getting a run of games and being a regular starter because I think he's a good player. And also, I think it is down. I think the premiership demands a certain mentality and a certain attitude and a certain approach. And, you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, that's not that's not denigrating him in any way. Uh, again, I'm fascinated uh, repeatedly. I've gone back to this week after week now um, by the fact that Conte called him a potential centre forward, a potential support striker. And uh, ever since he said that, which I, which again, I've said this before, I didn't see it. But ever since he said that, I have looked and repeatedly when that guy gets on the pitch, he gets into positions to score mm. goals. It's a, it's it's something. Hey, there's three games to go. He may yet have his moment again. So let's see what happens. Aside from the psychological impact that that last minute miss might have had on us, overall, I think we've all agreed that the performance was excellent, um, and that you know it's 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 a really it's a it's a great point. You know, Liverpool hadn't lost at home anything, hadn't lost anything since October, um, hadn't lost the game. Uh, I think Man City were the last team to take a point off them, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, what do we think the psychological impact of you know this result, this one-one at Anfield, is going to be for these final three games of the season? keeps us in good stead I think going into the North London derby particularly um it was an amazing performance and you can't you can't not carry something from that into the next game had we had we taken nothing from that it still would have been a good performance but um you know, I'm not sure I think Gareth put it quite well I mean a point isn't that great um mathematically but psychologically it, it probably is something to cling on to um and I think North London Derby is going to come up so fast that we'll not need lifting in any way. Like we, we are, we will remain lifted from that Anfield performance. I think they'll take a lot of belief from it because it's very clear that we'd worked on that game hard all week in training and that there was a specific set of ta- uh, you know, tactics that Conte had got the team to work to and they carried them out superbly and got a very good result out of it. And I'm sure that within the team, um, there'll be a lot of you know, kind of belief in the manager and the manager's tactics and and each other as well, because it was a performance where they relied on each other and they had to stick together to get through it. You can't do that kind of backs against the wall type defending without trusting each other and believing each other and communicating. So I think there'll be a, a lot from that. 
And the other thing I would take off that actually is, you know, I mean, Arsenal have um, have won some big games recently. You know, the the Man United game and the Chelsea game and the West Ham game. Uh, but I think our performance at Anfield, although you know we got a draw rather than a win, I think was far better than they had in any of those games. Uh, I'm pretty confident that if we put in a similar performance on Thursday, we'll beat them. Yeah, and let's let's be honest. West Ham and Chelsea didn't put up a strong performance. United are a shambles. So so Arsenal's good results in these big games are not really as great as they uh, maybe look on paper in reality. Yeah, yeah. I know we're, I know we're chomping at the bit to get to that and I probably set us up a little wrong by dragging by dragging their name into it. We're going to get to that in a second. Let's before we go to that though, let me just get your positives and negatives for for the for the 1-1 one, one at Anfield um 3-2-1 Milo. Um my positive is that we are unbeaten against the top 2 in the league this season and I think that shows where we're heading. And my negative is Arsenal beating Leeds, so it's it's um, it's still squeaky, Steph. Mm. You've gone for an abstract negative because, of course, that hadn't happened at Anfield. But I'll give it to you, <laughs> James. Um, positive. I can't look beyond uh, Emerson's performance. To be honest, it was it was incredible. Um, and as a negative, I think it's hard to pick one based on that performance. But I think it probably has to be that the fact that, particularly when it comes to Liverpool, when when push comes to shove, we just can't get over the line in these games where it would be bloody handy to have got three points from that. Draws a very good result. Three points would send us into this North London derby in a lot more of a healthy position. My positive is the entire performance. It was excellent. And my negative is that we just never have an ounce of luck at Anfield. And once again, you know, there is usually with a goal conceded, you can blame someone. You can, you know, if you want to be that churlish, you can say, well, you know, he didn't do this. Nobody did anything more than they could have done at that moment. Um, that shot was going nowhere. And, you know, you can't blame a player for trying to, to for, for trying to block it. It was very unfortunate and for us and exceptionally lucky for them. And that's my negative is they always have a lucky moment against us. I mean, of course, if you're being probably uh, neutral about it, you would say that they create that luck because they just come at you like a swarm. You know, they really do. And I suppose that's another positive, actually, that we survived their wave after wave and we survived, you know, for, you know, top class attackers on the pitch. So actually, when I look at it, I can't find I'm finding more positives and digging out a negative almost seems like the the wrong thing. But so we're, you know, we're we're straining to to talk about it, aren't we? Uh, It's coming up. It's Thursday. It's, um, you know, everyone always says that this is the biggest North London derby in years. So this really is the biggest North London derby in years. Let's paint the picture for everyone. We need to win. If we lose, it's done. Mm -hmm. This is a cup final. This is a cup final. It's the first cup final we've had under Antonio Conte. Um, You know, where do things stand after this weekend's game, the top four chase? That's where they stand. We've always said that statistically we have it in our own hands and we will continue to beat that drum until we don't. Well, we don't anymore. (laughs) It's simple as that. And now it is, it's survival. We need to win this cup final. It's as simple as that. And so now comes the equally simple question, gentlemen. Are you confident? I don't like being confident because it often has a habit of uh, tripping us up. But I am in in terms <laughs> of that. I've for a long time felt that because this game's at home, we, we have an advantage. Because we've got, you know, a better coach and a better centre forward, we've, we've got a certain advantage that we just need to make the most of. And they're not a bad team, obviously, but neither are we. And... There's often such tight margins involved in like these sort of clashes that I feel like 
the cards are stacked in our favour. We just need to execute the game plan, which under Conte, I fully believe we can. Yeah, I'm pretty confident about this. I think if we play like you know to our full potential, um, I think we'll I think we'll win. I think we're um, I think we've got the better players. I think we're the better team. I think we've got the better coach. Um, I'm really excited to find out who Romero is going to snap um, because he's going to have his eye on someone. And um, if he's taking requests, can I give him uh, Odegaard? <laughs> <laughs> You've got him like a wedding DJ, have you? <laughs> Come on, Eileen, and uh, and whack Xhaka. Is that <laughs> that could result in a brawl? <laughs> what? Come on, Eileen. Yeah, I know. I hate it. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, yeah, I, look, I, 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 uh, I, I'm very confident indeed. I, I and and for all the the. the for all the reasons you've both said, I'm, I'm very confident. Um, you know, like you, like you, James, I have a little, um, anxiety about being optimistic, but that's because I'm a supporter. You but, never want to be the one who's jinxed. But it's got no bearing it. on it. Whether you're optimistic no, or not, no bearing on the result. Oh, so, I, so how come I, every time I see we're going to beat a Brighton at home, we end up fucking losing? Because that's what, that's what football's like. <laughs> you know, yeah, even, and then, even, and then actually, you know, you've got a 60 40 chance. So, you know, Four I'm times out of ten, you, you know, it's not going to happen. So probability, my ass. How do you explain whiskey and spaniels? Then <laughs> it's bullshit, Steph. It fucking won't be when I pet my spaniel and have a shot of whiskey at noon on Thursday, my time, to make sure that we bring it home. And if we do, which I believe do bring it home, I will be reminding you of why that was. See, well, no, so. it'll, be, it'll, it'll be Romero is immense, and Harry Kane's the best striker in the league, and you know it's. That's nonsense. the reason. <laughs> Pure nonsense, but I'll let you go with it. Um, I do think I, one question that's interesting uh, to me, I hope you find it interesting because it's not on our cheat sheet here. Um, you know, we talk about Antonio having a week to prepare for games. We talk about Antonio having a week to prepare teams for systems. Um, do we think that, number one, the shorter time frame here hinders us in preparation a little bit? Or number two, do we think that if we were to deploy a game plan with the same attitude and same overall tactical shape that we did again, you know, at Anfield, that we would actually smash them? I don't think that will work because I don't think Arsenal approach the game in the same way. I'm pretty confident that uh, – I'm pretty sure that um, Arteta is going to try and cut off supply to our midfield. I, I think he'll try and do what Brighton and, um, and Villa did. Really? You um, think you, you okay, yeah. so there's two very different ways of that now, because Aston Villa actually cut off supply by being by being a bit thuggy, I thought. Well no 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 really. no that that's what? no, they played with different intensities, but what they did okay. is they put that they they had uh their front well, two and a half, three um Coutinho, Coutinho was playing slightly deeper, but they, they yeah. uh they weren't getting drawn. So against Liverpool we're playing out through defence and we're trying to draw them on and it's risky yep. because, you know, sometimes yep. we lose the ball and what have yep. you. But what we're doing is trying to draw a man on and, and create space behind and that's where our attacks yep. come from. Yep. And what Villa and Brighton did is not get drawn onto the man. So they right. um, so they blocked off uh, the easy passes into midfield and cut off our supply. And I think that um, Arteta may well try and do a similar thing, turn over the ball there and then attack us uh, rather than get drawn onto our defenders or onto Larice and then allow us to play play through them. Uh, because I think if we play through them, then, you know, we're going to create chances and we're dangerous. So I think he'll try and stop that. 
Um, and yeah, the two ways that we've seen that's done successfully recently is either cutting off supply to our midfield, so we can't pass the ball, which is what Villa and Brighton did, mm-hmm. or what Brentford did, which was allow the pass into midfield but close very close down very quickly from the the ball on from that. So yeah. they allowed uh, Benton Kerr to get the ball, but when Benton Kerr passed the ball, they, sna- they, they were very quick at closing down whoever received it. I think he's more likely to do the former. It's an essentially a very risky plan, though, in the sense of he's trusting young players and also one very, very dodgy loony player um, to be able to efficiently execute that plan for 90 minutes. I mean, do you really think they're up? Do you really think they're capable of doing that? Well, obviously you don't because you said you think we'll win. I think they're capable of doing that. Yes, I think they've got some really, yeah, I think their front their front line is is, um, is disciplined and pretty good and could do that. Um, and they can always switch it up. You know, if, if it doesn't work, they can always um, attack us. But I think that's probably their best way of kind of neutralizing um, our major strengths. I will say, when you look at their what's happened at that club this season, probably the most detrimental thing for us was when they uh, finally got uh, Aubameyang out of the club. I mean, yeah. since he's left, they have really seemed to have unified as as a squad, um, and and they have discovered a player that they you know they loaned out several times, and apparently were on the verge of selling in Enketia, mm-hmm. who uh, you know the one thing you say with Enketia. Well, you'd say several things about him. In, in fairness, he's been exceptional in their running, yeah, but he is not afraid to take a shot. He really isn't. Um, he's 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 going to be a he's going to be a very very tough tough marker, isn't he? And he I, I he mean, was I've, a handful against Leeds yesterday. Um, I thought he played very well. Um, certainly in the first half. Sorry, yeah. against Leeds today as we're recording this. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I I I mean, I said a few weeks ago. I, I think yeah, yeah, the atmosphere in the squad must be very good there. I can see a lot of parallels to kind of the early Poch years for us. Um, you yeah. know, young players coming through. There's clearly a very good team spirit there. Yeah, they play with a lot yeah. of confidence, and um, I think that's probably equaled by the state of our, our squad's confidence. But um, I think again, touching on the home atmosphere, it has to be it has to be a factor for us. They um, the the fans need to be good from the start and just lift us because um, it's gonna, it's going to be a close game. I, I think it's probably going to be a two one. Um, I don't think there'll be a hell of a lot in it. I pray it's comfortable, but it never is for us, is it? So No, and I think it's going to be a game that the referee is going to have a major, major impact on. And Paul Tierney, I believe, is our referee. And um, I think our um, Gareth, I know, is not very comfortable with that because we don't have a particularly good record with him in the in the last uh, few games. But I'll say one thing, he's firm and he makes a decision on how he's going to ref a game early doors and that's how it is. So it'll be interesting to see if there's an early yellow card going one way, you know that it's going to be going all over and that, you know, the game could very easily spiral out of control. I feel that this is a game that actually is going to at one point end up spiraling out of control and it's going to be very interesting to see how the referee controls it. Um, I don't think that that makes me a Nostradamus to predict that necessarily it's only the most important north london derby uh probably in what the last 25 30 years i'd say um so yes so we're all confident we all think that we are going to get the three points am i correct mm-hmm. yes well, we have to i mean even if we get all three points we're no, still no no without reservation <laughs> come on enough of that come on yes or no yes excellent so then we move on to burnley and you know look burnley are in the, the they're in the thick of a dogfight. what burnley are going to show up are they gonna? Are they gonna? You know, be disciplined and so on and so forth, or are they just gonna go flying forward trying to get the points? I know what I think they're gonna do. I think this is no longer a Burnley of Sean Dyche's uh, creation. I think this is a Burnley that's going to be scrapping for survival, and will. Uh, and I think we will pick them off easily. Yes or no? 
I think you're probably right. I mean, again, thank God it's at home because I wouldn't want to be going to Turf Moor after a North London derby and having to play against a team that's in a, a relegation uh, battle. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a bad result against Villa at the weekend. Um, yeah, I think at home, I think at home we're going to be too much for them. Yeah, it's quite naive, isn't it? And uh, I mean, look, let's. I'm going to throw one thing in here before we close off the pod, and we rarely do this. But I want to preview another game that's going to happen next weekend. It's going to be absolutely massive for us, I believe. And that is Newcastle versus Arsenal. Um, I, I, I think it's well worth previewing. And uh, again, obviously, it's a Tottenham pod. We're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be feeling negative about the result. But I mean, I, you know, Kieran Trippier is on the bench today for Newcastle. Bench wasn't today, yes, he's back. Yeah. So there's a good chance that he. You know, he could be, he could figure in that game next week. They just got spanked 5 0. The last time they got spanked 5 0 by uh, by anyone, they went on a good run again. They've been on a good run before. I I, I think this is going to be the, the game where Arsenal drop drop points other than against us. Uh, does anyone agree? I've always felt that. This is, I've felt that this is the game, that, this is a difficult game um, yeah, for, for weeks. And um, Trippier being back is a real boost to say so he started really well at. Newcastle and then got injured after a handful of games. So I, I think it's going to be our old boys. So Trippier and last I, game of the season, yes, Deli Alley yes, is going to get yes. the winner. Is going to yeah, get the winner right. against Arsenal and seal top four for us. And, that's uh, the, odds you, the odds you'd get I on that. The, oh, I have the dream that that's going to happen. Actually, I, I, get us I legend yeah. status. Oh, how great would that be? Okay, I'm going to throw this one out. You final, final question. You can have it wrapped up next weekend. Yeah, it can be done. We beat Arsenal. We beat Burnley and Arsenal lose again to Newcastle. Or it can be alive to the final game of the season and indeed the final five minutes of the season. And it's 1-1 at the Emirates and Deli Alley scores in the 90th minute. Well, if you can, guarantee, say, if you can guarantee that we're going to get I top can't four. guarantee it. I can't guarantee it. What I will tell you is there's going to be five minutes of added time in that game. Which scenario do you go for? Guarantee Champions League or do you gamble on the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate? No, no, no. I'll take the easy option let's bank it let's bank it yeah i don't have a lot of faith in delhi these days i'm afraid well no he's already scored he's already done it he scored it's holding on that five minutes but actually it was a ridiculously stupid question and what i should have said is would you put yourself through another week of torture in order to get top four in that fashion i'd be happy having top four in the bank and delhi scoring against them and then losing on the last day of the season i would get equal joy out of that you know you know this 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 once again proves like you know that this is this is why Milo helps keep us all in track. What a common sense, logical, fulfilling end to the season we have. Just it's it's so easy when you put it like that, isn't it? It is easy. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. I, of course, I do like this. See, I just am, I'm infatuated with the idea that there's that little extra crunch of Schadenfreude. You know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to imagine Amazon Prime showing Delhi knocking them. Well, what about <laughs> Delhi boots it into Xhaka's face and it just dribbles over the line? three times <laughs> oh dear we can't we just can't let him go can we let's be honest we can't let him Daddy. go. no we can't can we i just would love the chance to sing that song one more time anyway we're waffling our bottoms may be a little wobbly we're probably a little nervous i think we all are but we are feeling brave and confident that's what everyone should uh take from this pod thank you very much gents just uh, we will be back next week to talk about those two games uh, against the Goons in Burnley. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, so give us a follow, say hello. If you like this pod, please remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. And don't forget to tell your friends. As always, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.